Hi, I'm Dennis Cornelison. If you downloaded this, then you probably already know that Darker Projects is one of the premier producers of quality audio fiction on the internet. But did you ever wonder what goes on behind the scenes? This podcast takes you inside the creative process with interviews from various cast and crew members. You'll find out things you never knew. Welcome to Behind the Scenes at Darker Projects. Hello, good morning, how do you do? Hello, good morning, how are you? I'm just fine, I'm just grand. Give me a smile and shake my hand. That's page one of um, one of the books I teach from Longman Press. Ah, kids. Well, hello there. Um, Christopher Leiden here. Uh, I'm a professor of English, uh, currently in Wuhan, China. Uh, I'm originally from uh, Ottawa, Ontario. Uh, before that, uh, Eastbourne, Sussex, England. Yes, I've uh, done a little bit of traveling. Um, let me see now. I've been all over the world and back again and forward again and back again. It's all part of the fun, I guess. I've been writing now for four and a half years, five years now. Uh, that's professionally. Uh, before that, I was writing off and on um, ever since I was little. Um, I'm one of those annoying little children that walked up to their daddy and said, Daddy, I want to write a book. And um, my father, of course, laughed at that, uh, being the kind of man that he is. Uh, wasn't too happy or thrilled with the fact that I wasn't going into the army, putting on a uniform and uh, saluting a lot. But uh, what can you do? Children will do what they want to do, right? Uh, at least I do. Books. I've written in ten in total. Um, ranging in variety all the way from political fiction uh, through to semi-autobiography... Uh, um, semi-autobiographical books um, up to um, science fiction. Um, of which, strangely enough, the science fiction is the most popular. I would never have figured that out in a million years, but it um, turns out that uh, people seem to really enjoy the, uh, the sci-fi. Um, <clears throat> well, how did I get started in all of this? It was, um, it was 2004? 2004 that I first got involved with uh, online publishing. Uh, I had uh, written a book uh, in Toronto, Canada uh, called Carter's Duty. Yeah, Carter's Duty, out of all the books in the Carter series, that one was written first. And uh, needless to say, it was an unmitigated disaster. Nobody wanted to read it, uh, nobody wanted to publish it, and uh, nobody liked it. Um, which was a bit disheartening for a first-time writer. Their first book was completely not a flop. But uh, go figure, uh, I stuck with it. Um, I was working for, uh, for the Canadian government uh, when I first really started to write. Strangely enough, my boss at the time was very, very supportive of my writing. Um, I was able to uh, continue to work on, uh, on my books um, while I was working for the Canadian government. 
Um, this gave me enough time to write a, a, a sequel to Carter's Duty, uh, entitled Carter's Army. I decided to go back in time a few years and actually show the start of a relationship. A uh, relationship that spanned into, ooh, six books. Um, quite a long little tale, following a boy all the way from his youth up to uh, standing as a member of parliament in uh, Canadian politics. It was a very, very interesting series, at least from my perspective. Um, but it evolved way beyond just uh, just that particular type of story. The first time I became involved with publishing um, was a long time after that. Uh, I'd worked out a deal with an online magazine uh, which allowed me to start publishing my books. Um, and so I released the Carter series through them. Uh, they were remarkably supportive. Rob over at... Um, uh, at the magazine, uh, stood by me uh, quite uh, quite religiously, um, demanding his his copy every week and uh, ensuring that I got my chapters in on time. And um, so I released the books uh, as a serial on online, as I said, uh, to a readership of around about two thousand people. Now, anyone that knows anything about publications knows that 2,000 readers is really not a lot. Um, and it's not. Uh, but those readers were um, dedicated fans. Um, some of them a little too dedicated. My bunny boilers, as I would call them. I would get occasional death threats through uh, email uh, demanding that I did this with a character or did that with a character or else they'd uh, come to my house and uh, chop my bunny into little bits and stick it in a pot. Which, um, well, if you met my bunny, um, you'd understand that um, um, most definitely didn't deserve to be in a pot. My grandfather used to say that my bunny deserved to be in a pie, but my grandfather had a rather sick sense of humor, which uh, he passed on to me. The serial went on for quite a while, and uh, there was no problems with that. Um, it seemed to be remarkably popular, uh, as I said, with the readership. But um, I sort of ran out of story. Um, I was getting to the point where I just didn't want to write the same thing anymore, and I wanted to get out and into other uh, projects, projects that would uh, give me a chance to sort of flex my writing muscles and, uh, and, and get into something a little bit more creative uh, than, as I said, just the same old characters. I was uh, uh, using the Carter series, I think, to uh, explore my writing. Um, and this gave rise to what I dubbed at the time, The Project. And what is The Project, you ask? Well, that turned out to be really bad science fiction. I mean, the absolute epitome of cliché science fiction. Um, and that's what I wanted to write. Now, you see, there was a reason behind this. That reason was nobody was ever, 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 ever supposed to read it. Boy, was I wrong. Now... <clears throat> What happened was, I, I wrote maybe the first 80% of the book and promptly put it away on my computer hard drive, never to be opened again, and went back to writing Carter's Shadow. 
authors sometimes have what's known as experimental work. Uh, Orson Scott Card had uh, Speaker for the Dead, uh, a book that he wrote many, many years before he actually wrote Ender's Game. And uh, when he finally uh, finished Ender's Game, he had the muse he needed to actually write um, Speaker for the Dead properly uh, to get it released. Um, the Falcon Banner was my experimental work. It wasn't, it wasn't designed for any kind of publication, as that first book most definitely shows. Now, what happened was I finished with the Carter series. I said no more to the, uh, to the serial and washed my hands of it. I said, that's it, enough's enough. I'm going to nail down on my work. I haven't gotten anywhere with publication. Uh, I'm going to just sit back, do my job, and that's it. Well, that lasted all of a week and a half. Rob got back to me with a problem. He, uh, he had all of his authors uh, for the next serialization, the next release, drop out uh, and not send him anything. So uh, he was trying absolutely everything he could do to all of his contacts to find something or someone that could release something. Um, I looked at it, I thought about it, and I said, well, the only thing I have is some really bad science fiction. Here we are. Uh, I'm working on the fifth book of the series, uh, the fifth column. Uh, it's an audio series. Um, there's talk about a TV series, which I'll tell you about later. It's got a readership that's absolutely astronomical. I mean, there's merchandising. Uh, people working around conventions wearing T-shirts that get recognized. Eh, Chris? Let's, uh, let's, let's start looking at some of these, uh, some of these questions. Uh, enough of my rambling. So, question one, number one is, what classifies me as a famous author? I'm not a famous author. I'm a known author. I'm listed as one of the uh, one of the Canadian gay authors, which is kind of interesting. I'm right up there with Timothy Finlay, which I'm nowhere near, by the way, nowhere close. But uh, yeah, um, I'm uh, I'm listed there. Um, I have um, websites that are dedicated to my books. I have my own stalkers online. I wrote Falcon Banner, as I said, as an experiment. This followed up with The Sigil of the Wolf. Uh, Sigil of the Wolf was a lot more serious uh, and shows in the tone of the book. Now, I wrote that book while I was on vacation in Cambodia, uh, a little place called Kep. Absolutely beautiful. You've got uh, rainforest jungle and the beach, uh, and it's absolutely beautiful. And I was in a, in a hammock with my laptop computer on my lap banging away some of the more memorable scenes of that particular book, which I later took home and, uh, and finished off. So Sigil of the Wolf had its own particular story behind some of the, uh, some of the context that's in there. Uh, the Mazuma, no, not Mazuma, the, uh, the Zeman that are in there um, most definitely parallel the, uh, the events that happened in Cambodia and some of the things that I witnessed uh, while I was there. Um... The Lion's, the Lion's Pride um, sort of parallels that in some ways. I wanted to build upon what I'd seen and what I'd written in Sigil of the Wolf. And uh, I was back in Canada. I was cold. I was miserable. But um, I poured a lot of energy into, uh, into the Lion's Pride. And uh, it really shows with, uh, with the character of Lex Talionis. 
definitely a diabolically evil kind of character and one that, uh, that evolved, uh, again, from those experiences that I had while I was abroad. Um, Balance of Judgment has a completely different story than the others, uh, which explains why the Balance of Judgment is written so differently. There was a year between The Lion's Pride and The Balance of Judgment. Um, I was actually back home in Canada after my first year of uh, uh, working abroad, and uh, was in my mum's basement. Yes, uh, my mum frog marched me down the stairs, uh, made me sit down at, uh, at at a makeshift desk that she had there, and uh, opened up my uh, my little IBM laptop and said, "Write, write, write." Um, so um, yes, you can all thank my mum for uh, for the balance of judgment. If it wasn't for her for doing that, it might still uh, be on the shelf uh, waiting for me to write it. I wrote it while, as I said, I was on vacation. I was experiencing Canada from a different perspective. And uh, so the book has a different perspective. It was also written in a completely different style. When I write, I have a rule. One chapter, one day. I write things in sequence. Uh, Sigil of the Wolf, Falcon of the Banner, and, uh, and Lion's Pride were all written one chapter after the other with no general over plan. Um, this shows in the writing style. Balance of Judgment was scene written. Basically what I did was I took scenes that I had and I wrote the scenes when I had the inspiration to write the scene. Uh, this led to uh, chapter 20 being written before chapter 14 and the whole book suddenly started to evolve uh, from various different aspects. This led to a more balanced story. Um, the flow between the different characters is, is a lot more balanced in, uh, in this particular book. And um, it was definitely one of those experimental books. Uh, I'm finding that it worked very well and I'm using this style to write um, uh, the, the fifth column. Um, it makes for a much stronger story and a lot more uh, a lot more emphasis placed on the other characters rather than just the select few characters that I tend to pick on. It should be a lot stronger. You'll see a jump uh, when you finally hit book four in the radio series, if, if it gets that far. Um, Chris Snyder assures me that it will, and I have total faith in Chris Snyder, as uh, uh, we'll talk about in just a moment. But... Um, yeah, book four and book five are most definitely going to take it up a notch. My thoughts on audiobooks. The question reads, every author probably dreams of their work of their work becoming a movie. Did I ever envision my work as an audio production? Have you ever written for audio before or since or had another production adapted to radio? The answer to that is actually yes and no. Did I ever dream that my book would become a movie? Uh, well, as I told you, I never dreamed that uh, the Falcon Banner would ever be anything more than a dusty file on my computer. Uh, so I can definitely say no to that at the time when I was writing it. Uh, by the time that it was released, it was already the arrangements were already made and the first episode of the Falcon Banner was already released. Uh, it was out uh, the 24th of, um, 24th of December. Uh, was the first episode that I received of the Falcon Banner. And the books, the Falcon Banner, were released on the 26th of December. So it shows you how parallel uh, darker projects and, uh, and my book releases have been. Um, you guys have been with me all the way from the very beginning of this series, all the way through. 
Um, and that's been phenomenal. Well, have any of my other books been turned into a radio play? Well, um, Carter's Army uh, still attracts quite a bit of attention. Um, a lot of people really enjoyed that book. And a man uh, by the name of Chris Conklin back in uh, 2002, 2003, uh, 2004, 2004. A man by the name of Chris Conklin back in 2004 contacted me after the release of uh, uh, Carter's Army. Uh, asking me for permission to record it for Books for the Blind uh, to be played on the radio for 2RPH in uh, Sydney, Australia. Uh, I said yes at the time. Um, I didn't think anything more of it and promptly filed it away and forgot about it. A um, few months later, I got an email um, from another person uh, explaining to me that Chris Conklin had started uh, to record uh, Carter's Army, but unfortunately um, he had died of a massive heart attack before finishing the project. And since the project was so it's still in its preliminary stages, uh, it hadn't been mixed, it hadn't, uh, it hadn't gone beyond uh, just the initial uh, sound recordings, uh, the decision was made by uh, 2RPH to scrap the project. Um, obviously, I was a little bit disappointed by this. Um, not overtly gutted, to be completely honest. I mean, as I said, I, I, I did forget about the project and uh, just fought it away as another bunny boiler. When Chris Snyder contacted me and asked for permission to, uh, to uh, do something with the Falcon Banner, I dismissed it as, um, well, this is never going to happen. Okay, I'm sure you do whatever you want. I've been pleasantly and continually surprised by, uh, by darker projects. Uh, they've come through in a remarkable number of ways. When I started with darker projects and when I first started talking with uh, Chris Snyder about this particular production, I had decided on one set rule. And that one set rule, which still applies, is the books that I wrote are my vision of the Falcon Banner, uh, Darian Tain, uh, Matthew Elias, uh, and, and, and the characters were what I saw. Um, and the rule was, um, if somebody wanted to make a, a production out of it, a movie, TV, radio, um, my viewpoint is, I don't want to get in their way. So the decision was made that Chris Schneider had complete control over his, uh, over his vision of my work. Um, and uh, I fully support Chris Schneider in what he's done. Um, has darker products stacked up to my, uh, to my beliefs? They've exceeded my beliefs. Um, I started out, as I said, with, uh, with a book that wasn't supposed to go anywhere, and they've taken it and turned it into this living, breathing organism that, uh, that just continues to grow into, you know, my pet monster. Um, <laughs> I mean, it gets, uh, it gets kind of interesting at points when I get emails from, uh, from people asking my advice on uh, a variety of science fiction-related topics, and my reaction to that is, huh, how the heck do you know me? What? And their answer is always through Darker Projects. So, Darker Projects has really taken what I've done and, and, and just turned it into something that's absolutely fantastic. And in so doing, have dragged me along for the ride. Uh, it's, it's grown to, uh, to just astronomical levels. 
Um, do I think that my books are particularly suited to audio drama? Uh, I write a lot of banter. Uh, it's by far one of my biggest strengths. Uh, to quote a professor of mine, uh, I'm a pedantic git uh, that should have really stayed the heck out of his classroom. And it really shows in my writing. I, I, I like to be finicky with details, name drop and, and whatever else. Uh, for example, all the carrier operations that happen in, uh, in the Falcon Banner are as correct as I could make them. Uh, if you follow the flight operations of R-403 through the last episode, episode 9 of the Falcon Banner, you'll find that they are actually correct. That's the correct uh, landing procedure for, for an aircraft. A military aircraft um, so you know I, I definitely try to be as detailed as I can be but there's a lot of emphasis on dialogue as opposed to just description however however Chris Schneider has repeatedly reassured me that I am the bane of his existence by creating such characters as um, James who you'll meet in Sigil of the Wolf so season two and Shale Shell in the original dialogue in the original books for those of you that have read them and I encourage those of you that haven't go out and get them um, was silent he didn't speak uh, and when he did it was only very very pointedly um, Chris Schneider has had to uh, adapt um, the text to be able to um, to be able to reflect uh, an audio environment. Uh, obviously, you can't read uh, Shale's expressions and you can't get his grunts. So what you need to do is you need to be able to change the uh, change the text to show his thinking. Uh, and I do appreciate that. I was actually very surprised when uh, when I first heard Shale speaking because uh, you know um, I didn't have a voice inside my head that went, mm, "This is Shale's voice." Um, on the whole, uh, Chris's work has been absolutely phenomenal on this on this particular project. Um, I can't say his praises enough. If there's a question that he needs answered, he'll track me down and 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 ask it. If there's a question that I need answered, I'll I'll track him down. And uh, again, he's always readily available to uh, to answer my questions. Uh, he's been remarkably supportive of the books all the way through. And uh, be honest with you, I mean that's kept me with this particular series. Um, as I said, there was a problem between uh, the Lion's Pride and the Balance of Judgment. I mean, it's been it's been two years now that these books have been out, um, and I've changed quite a bit. Um, I've moved countries. I've seen things that no man has ever actually been supposed to see. Uh, there are some horrors in this world. There really are, and um, I've been—I wouldn't say lucky to see them, but I have seen things that no person should ever see. And that definitely changed my perspective on things. Um, and so, writing the Falcon Banner, I've needed to change my perspective in it. And I'm lucky enough to have had Chris's support through a lot of this, uh, which has helped me continue to keep going, to be able to find my voice again, that, that, that allows me to actually write these books. Uh, so, um, yeah, definitely thank Chris Snyder for, uh, for, for, for the continued series. Uh, if it wasn't for him, there wouldn't be a continued series, I'll be completely honest. And this Marine can be placed third. His burns are superficial. Treat them with... 
Well, Lieutenant, welcome back to the world of the... I'm home. You lay back down. Make me. <laughs> okay, fine. Just stay put. You have a concussion and you're not supposed to be moving about. Okay, then. What's wrong with you? Now, if I'm really quiet... Excuse me, Lieutenant. You're going where? Uh, nowhere, Doctor, sir. Hmm. Darian! <clears throat> Captain! You're okay? A little banged up, but no worse for wear. I must say, I can't say the same for some of the others here, sir. Noted, Doctor. Do you need anything? Yeah. For people to stop shooting other people. Aside from that, I have doctors from Tempest helping out, and we have all of the medical supplies. We'll pull through this. I hope so, Skipper. Why? I thought... Well... You love me. I never said that. You did so. You said you missed me. Oh, that's not an I love you. It is in my book. The abridged Elias Dictionary defines missing me as you love me. I see. You know, I'm going to have to see proof of that. <laughs> With the doctor's permission, of course. You look like you haven't eaten in days. Go. But bring him back later. I need to run a few tests. Music. My choice of music for this particular series. Um, I think Kai Hartwick has done an absolutely amazing job with the uh, with the score. I know I'm saying amazing a lot. It's a bit like a children's TV presenter. Super, super, super. But um, I actually mean it. Um, the musical score for the uh, for the Falcon Banner is um, well. Firstly, it's cool. It's just plain cool to have your own music. You know. Um, and add to that the fact that while writing uh, The Balance of Judgment, I actually had Kai Hartwig's score playing uh, on my MP3 list while I wrote the book. Uh, so in a way, Kai Hartwig inspired a number of the rhythm and, and, and the soul. Because music, let's face it, is the soul of writing. You don't listen to music, you don't appreciate music, then you have no appreciation of what it takes to write. Um... Music just, it, it, it really brings out the muse in you. And uh, Kai Hartwig's music really did that for me in, uh, in The Balance of Judgment. Before that, um, I was listening to uh, my ex's music. He records uh, music for um, Lakeport Auto Electric. Um, it's sort of an experimental, uh, experimental band, experimental music. Um, but it is absolutely phenomenal music. Um, it's so different. Um, here's the thing. Will had given me this music many years ago as one of those, here, listen to this, you know, you mean something important to me, I want you to listen to this, and 
you know, as, as anybody who's ever been in a relationship can honestly attest, uh, when, when, when that sort of thing happens, you go, yeah, yeah, of course, of course I'll listen to it. Promptly follow away on your MP3 list and um, never actually listen to it. Uh, <laughs> it was, it wasn't until the music was playing and I didn't notice, I didn't pay attention to who was playing and then I just started to listen to it. Uh, I think it was a song called Orange Light Through Broken Bottles. Uh, kind of a mysterious title, but um, there was no list of who was performing it on the uh, on the MP3 list, and I just loved the song. Just absolutely fell in love with the music. It just there was something about it that spoke to me. Of course, not realizing that it was Will's music. I, I like instrumental pieces more than I like vocals. Uh, strangely enough, I find dance music exceptionally good to write to. Uh, something with a beat definitely gets your mind going. It wasn't until years, I mean, literally years later, uh, I was speaking to Will. We were talking over Emerson. I was, I was out of the country at the time. And, um, you know, he, he, he asked me um, to go check out the website for Lake Port Auto Electric. And so I went to go check it out, and I noticed orange light through broken bottles. And I went, wait a second, what? And um, immediately jumped back onto my, uh, onto my MSN and uh, promptly grilled him along the lines of, you wrote that? You didn't tell me you wrote that. Um, what do you mean you wrote that? Returned me a good stout lecture about lying, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, every good author is a good liar. And uh, so definitely that particular piece and, and those particular pieces were, um, were definitely helpful. I've listened to a lot of music while writing these books. You've got to understand that there are hundreds of chapters. That means hundreds of thousands of man hours of, of me just sort of sitting there typing away, deleting things and whatever else. So that's a lot of music to listen to. But there's certain things that stand out. Now, there are characters that you haven't come into contact with. Uh, there's stories behind the stories. Uh, Falcon Banner is actually a sequel to another set of, of stories I wrote when I was back in uh, back in high school slash first year of university. You know, very angsty kind of stuff. I wrote Falcon Banner to be the sequel to this, to be a continuation of Von Grippen's story. Uh, Alexander Von Grippen has uh, been one of those muses that I've been dealing with since I was 12 years old. 12 years old. And... Um, the evolution of this particular story has, has, uh, has, has taken its toll and it's just changed and there's one particular scene, ah, here's what I was going with this, there's one particular scene that, uh, that stands out in my mind in one of these side stories uh, it's of Von Grippen and of the Excalibur now there's definitely a connection between a man and a ship. Uh, Star Trek really portrays that, you know, uh, Kirk and the Enterprise, uh, Picard and his Enterprise, Cisco and the Defiant. In Babylon 5, you have uh, Commander Sinclair and, and uh, Captain Sheridan and their connection to, uh, to the space station. Um, and I wanted that kind of bond between Von Grippen and the Excalibur, um, the man and his broken sword. And uh, one piece of music I was listening to uh, inspired me to write a, just a scene about that. And that was the, uh, the song Everything by Lifehouse. And um, it has one phrase in it. How can I stand here with you and not be moved by you? And 
I could just picture this, this lonely old man standing on the bridge of his ship, his ship, and remembering everything. I mean, the Falcon Banner has always been about Von Grippen. Uh, it's always been about his struggle with cardiac. All the way through the series, you get this repeated theme. Cardiac and his evil Von Grippen and, and, and his weary nobility. Um, and to be able to capture that and encapsulate what it took to be Von Grippen, uh, that particular song definitely sums it up. Darker Projects has really helped out my career in ways that I can't even begin to describe. Uh, I have, I teach English uh, as a professor based off of the books that I've written, based off of the successes that I've had. And the successes I've had have been in part contributed to by Darker Projects. Darker Projects has really contributed to my career. Uh, it's contributed to the success of, you know, a book that was never supposed to be a success. Uh, it was never intended to be a success. And, you know, given the opportunity to work with Darker Projects, again, I would in a heartbeat. Uh, I do have other projects that I'm working on. Um, I have uh, two additional books uh, on the side from uh, uh, the, the fifth column. Um, that will be released later this year. Uh, one of which I think would be a, a, a very interesting audio drama. Something I've got to talk to Chris Snyder about at some point in the future, or one of the other producers of Darker Projects, because uh, um, I'm sure Chris Snyder is absolutely swamped. Um, and see if it would go from there, see if it would fly. But obviously, the you know, I can't release anything until it's ready, and that book is uh, still a long way from being finished. Um, I would love to work with Darker Projects again in the future. Uh, and I encourage anybody else uh, that's looking to get started and has a really good story to, uh, to get in touch with them. Um, who knows? I mean, one day you could be sitting in a government office, bored out of your tree, and the next day you could be uh, being offered a, uh, a, a chair at a, at a university in Moscow. I keep getting emails uh, going, when's the next episode? When's the next episode? People harassing uh, Chris Schneider on the, uh, on the uh, forum board. What I can say is this. Um, Chris Snyder has brought you this far. Chris Snyder has brought me this far. I trust Chris completely. When Chris says that he's going to do something, he does it. So, you want the last three episodes of Falcon Banner? Sit tight, hold on, and it's coming. And it's worth it. Sigil of the Wolf will be also just as worth it. Uh, the Lion's Pride, well, that's going to blow your socks off. And the Balance of Judgment, well, book four is amazing, uh, if I do say so myself. And, um, you know, you're going to enjoy that. And what do I know about the fifth column? Well, let me tell you one thing. It's all about Ricard. You haven't met him yet, but you will, and believe me, uh, you think the books are good now? You wait till you get your teeth into him. He's going to eat you all alive. On that note, goodbye, good night. Um, 
it's late here in Wuhan uh, and it's cold. Uh, I have uh, biscuits that I need to get back to and writing that I need to get back to. So you guys take care and uh, enjoy. Listening to Behind the Scenes at Darker Projects. Featured in this episode was Christopher Patrick Leiden. Theme music by Oakman's Dreamland. More music available at soundclick.com. Additional music by Maze Dude. Go to www.mazedudemusic.com for more. Also featured was Orange Light Through Broken Bottles by Will Richardson with Lakeport Auto Electric. The series is produced by Ellie Hirschman. Post-production on this episode by Dennis Cornelison. The executive producer for Darker Projects is Eric Busby. This has been a Darker Projects production. For more high-quality audio and podcasts, go to www.darkerprojects.com. <laughs>